we are in our week four of this series through uh, Joshua, and, um, and so actually this is our final week, uh, and so next week uh, we actually begin a new series called Broken People, and you don't want to miss that. Broken People, it's a four-week series, and um, it's all about how God uses broken people for his name, for his glory. And it's all throughout scripture. And if you've ever been in a place where of brokenness in your life, feel like, man, I'm just, I, I, I can't be used. I don't, I'm not, you know, of the things I've done, or, or maybe I'm not talented enough, or maybe I'm not gifted enough, or, or whatever. Just know this, God can use every single one of us. And you might be surprised who's he used in Scripture, and we're going to talk about that over the next four weeks. So if you know of someone in your life who's been through some brokenness, okay, maybe they don't want to be at church because they've been broken so much, <laughs> then invite them to, hey, we're, we're in this series called Broken People, and how God can use brokenness and broken people. So that starts next week. But today we're going to finish out Joshua. And what have we learned so far? First week we talked about second chances. Uh, we have been given a second chance, just like the nation of Israel. They had a first chance to enter into um, the promised land, and then they failed to do so. And then they finally, uh, after 40 years later, God gave them a second chance. If we have second chances in our life, what does that look like for us? Well, very similar to, uh, to what it looked like for Joshua and the children of Israel. Uh, we, uh, they learned as well as we can learn that God keeps his promises. He is going to keep his promises through it all. Uh, he's never going to leave you. He's never going to forsake you. All of this is in that Joshua story. Now, he wants you to succeed in your second chance. He's not a God crossing his arms going, all right, let's see if you can do it this, this time. Okay, I bet, you, I bet you do the same thing. That's not his approach at all. He wants you to be successful in your second chance. And then we also learn that he calms our fears. He will calm your fears in the middle of that. And I encourage you to, to read the book of Joshua, and you can uh, pick out a lot of those things. In week two, we talked about the 12 stones, and it came from the River Jordan. The River Jordan is what separated the Israelites from their promised land. They had to walk into the Jordan. And what's really interesting is that the um, tabernacle of the Lord, the presence of the Lord, walked into the Jordan River first. First and foremost, and as soon as those who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant walked into the Jordan River, it began to part. And what that does, it teaches us this. When we are ready to enter into whatever that promised land God is, has for us, okay? Now, all of us, I believe, have sort of this, this promised land, okay? A, 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 better, a better marriage, better finances, better friendships. Maybe you just need to be a better friend, all right? There have been times in my life I just, man, I need to be a better friend. Or maybe you need to get some other things right in your life. You have that sort of promised land. And when you do that, what this story tells us in week two is that we want to put God first. You want to put God first. That's why the Ark of the Covenant went into there first. And then uh, another thing we learned is that they made a monument. They made a monument of, of them crossing over into the Jordan. What that means is this. You need to find something sort of tangible that you can say you could point back to that. You could point back to that. 
Uh, I love that in uh, our ministry center, uh, our ribbon cutting, we were able to um, invite the Chamber of Commerce. We had a ton of people in the community that came and, and took the picture. And I don't know if you saw this. It was in the paper. And, um, and then they gave us a nice plaque with a picture and all this stuff. And guess what? It's right there in our ministry center for, on display. And what that is, it's a monument for what God has done uh, through that. Baptism is a monument. Baptism is a physical thing that you can point to to say, I have given my life to Jesus Christ. I've given my life to Jesus Christ. So any sort of kind of thing, a monument, some sort of tangible thing that you can say, you know what? I did this by the glory of God, by the grace of God. And then we also learned that they needed to consecrate themselves. They needed to make themselves holy. They needed to cut away those things in their life that are, are, are making them unholy. And so as you pursue sort of that promised land that God has for you, you need to make sure you're walking in holiness and cutting away. They use the, uh, obviously they use circumcision as that, but they, they're, it's all about cutting away those things that are unholy in your life. And so as you approach that, just remember that. You gotta consecrate yourself. Last week, we talked about tearing down the walls. And I love this story because we didn't actually read too much about the actual battle of tearing down the walls. What we did is we visited the night before the battle. Jericho, I mean, uh, Joshua already had a plan for Jericho. He had to have a battle plan. He was a leader. He was a great leader, but he couldn't sleep. He's like, you know, I just don't like that. I've been there before where you plan a sermon and you go to bed. He's like, I can't sleep. He's like, well, maybe God's changing my heart. And that, that happens often. Well, God will say, you know what? I want you to go this direction. I want you to go to a different sermon. Or don't preach that. Preach that later, you know? And so Joshua, he had a plan, but he couldn't sleep. And so he decided to walk around, kind of go to the walls there at Jericho in the middle of the night, and he met someone, what he thought was a soldier. But what it was, it was the incarnate presence of God in human flesh, sort of a, a pre-nativity of Jesus, he appears in several different places in the Old Testament before he arrives in the New Testament in Matthew. And so this encounter between Joshua and, and Jesus, we learn some very important things. When you have walls in your life, when you have walls that need to come down in your life, and you and God know what those walls are. They're keeping you from going further into your promised land. When you have those walls in your life, this is what we learn. You gotta surrender to Jesus. Surrender to Jesus. You gotta follow Jesus. And you gotta worship Jesus. We saw that at, the, at, at that part of Joshua, I believe at the end of chapter five, where Joshua in that encounter with Jesus, Jesus invited him, hey, surrender to me. Follow me. Worship me. And when you do those three things, walls are going to come down. Walls are going to come down. We try to do things on our own strength, have a battle plan. It's like, no, 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 no. No. Spend time with me. Spend time with me. Surrender to me. Uh, follow me and worship me, and the walls will come down. So today, in this final week, we look closely at a story that takes place after the walls of Jericho have come down, and people were destroyed. We're going to be in Joshua chapter 7 today. So if you have your copy of God's Word, I invite you to uh, do that, whether you're a printed copy or your digital copy. We have this on the screen. We're going to be in chapter 7 for from, seven from most of the sermon, but actually, we're going to skip over. We're going to sort of do a prequel up in uh, chapter 6. So if you look at um, 
chapter 6, verses 18 through 19. There's a couple of verses here I want us to look at that's going to kind of set this up. But this passage in chapter 6 sets up the story. God gave specific instructions to bring down the walls of Jericho. But those instructions also included these words found in Joshua 6, 18 through 19. Joshua 6, verses 18 through 19. And it says this. But keep away from the devoted things. Everybody say devoted things. Devoted things. That's the title of my sermon today. The devoted things. But keep away from the devoted things so that you will not bring about your own destruction by taking any of them. Otherwise, you will make the camp of Israel liable to destruction and bring trouble on it. All of the silver and gold and the articles of bronze and iron are sacred to the Lord and must go into his treasury. You may think, well, God is a stingy God. Why would God want all the silver and all of the devoted things, all of those things that really bring value? God wanted that in his first battle to be used as he pleased. And later on, as he... As they get more battles and stuff, we actually learned that there are some battles that God's like, you know, I'm gonna, I'm, I want you to keep that for, for a future temple for me so people can worship because God is a God who, who, who's worshiped. And so, but as we'll see in the second battle, we're going to talk about this today. In the second battle, God's like, you don't need to give any of that to me. In the second battle, it's like, no, you keep all the spoils for yourself. But this first one, this first battle, all of that goes to me. Isn't that just like our tithing and our giving? God's setting that up. He's like, the first, the first fruits of, of, of your spoils, the first fruits, set that aside to me. God, God has changed. It's the same way today. So even God wanted that first increase for his glory. Uh, now let's jump to chapter 7. Chapter 7, verses 2 through 5. It reads this. Now Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai. Now Ai is a, a, a small town, which is near Beth-Avon, to the east of Bethel, and told them, go up and spy out the region. So the men went up and spied out I, when they returned to Joshua, they said, not all the army will have to go up against I. Send two or 3,000 men to take it, and do not worry the whole army, for only a few people live there. So about 3,000 went up, but they were routed by the men of I, who killed about 36 of them. They chased the Israelites from the city gate as far as the stone quarries and struck them down on the slopes. At this, the hearts of the people melted in fear and became like water. Some quick observations from this passage is that sometimes defeat will come after a major victory. Defeat will come after a major victory. Why? Well, pride can set in. Pride can often set in to our life. When we, when, when we sort of experience a victory in our life, and you see this in, in even sports teams. Hey, we won, the, we won this really important game against the, our toughest opponent. And the next week, what happens? <laughs> they get demolished. It happens in, in, in every field of sports. Why? Because maybe 
they're so focused on that, they, they lose track and lose focus on the other teams. Same with our life. When we experience a victory in our life through our marriage, through our finances, through relationships, through our personal walk with Christ, guess what? We can often experience a big letdown, a big defeat. So don't allow pride to invade your mind after a victory. This is what happened. The guys are like, ah, oh, we don't need all of them. This is a small little town. This is maybe two or 3,000. Not all the multiples of thousands. Oh, we got this. You know? I guess they forgot who really tore the walls down of Jericho, right? So don't let pride be on your guard. We also see in this passage that there will be battles where God does the fighting, but there will be battles where he wants us to do the fighting. In Jericho, God brought the walls down. Now, ultimately, he told them, now go kill every living thing in there, in Jericho. So obviously, there had to be some fighting there. But the initial battle, the initial fighting, there are times that God's like, you know, I got this. I just need you to settle down this big, huge thing that you're afraid of. Just know this. I've got it. But there are some battles that God wants us to fight. God may provide a miraculous healing in your life, but he wants to do, he wants you and I to fight for our health and our strength. God may give you a huge victory in your finances, maybe with a better paying uh, job. But he expects us to fight the everyday battles of, of overspending and being greedy. So how does Joshua and the Israelites respond to this defeat? This is a great defeat. He is greatly defeated by this. So what is the response? We see this in verses 6 through 9. That Joshua tore his clothes and fell face down to the ground before the ark of the Lord, remaining there until evening. The elders of Israel did the same and sprinkled dust on their heads. And Joshua said, alas, sovereign Lord, why did you ever bring this people across the Jordan to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us? If only we had been content to stay on the other side of the Jordan. Pardon your servant, Lord. What can I say now that Israel has been routed by its enemies? The Canaanites and the other people of the country will hear about this and they will surround us and wipe out our name from the earth. What then will you do for your great name? <laughs> Joshua is mad. He's mad. And he's also, he's also humiliated. He's like, what are we going to do? What are people going to think? What are these people going to think? Our, our, our enemies now, he does show lots of humility, sprinkling dust on their head and just staying by the altar all day, the rest of the day, the elders doing the same thing. But Joshua also displays great fear of what the others, other nations will think of them. What will they think? God's called us to do this. What will they think? You know, as a church and definitely as a pastor, as a leader, what other people think sometimes creeps in my mind. And we're going to see God's response here in just a second. But let's just, let's just sort of sit in here in this, in this little scene with, with Joshua and the elders in front of the ark. He's humiliated. He's afraid of what others are going to think. You know, I, I felt very similar feelings last year when a ministry center, which God said, made it very clear, hey, 
This is a building I want you to put on the land that I have told you to buy. And I've told the story many, many times. Not get into the details of the story. But this building, I think, is, is, a, is very symbolic of, of lots of things. But I do know this. <laughs> As that building sat on our property in three different pieces for six months... Six months at the lower part of our property with black plastic attached to it to keep it from the rain. And we had hurricane-like rain many times over those six months. And you'd find your pastor, even some of my, my boys, go out there with staple guns and start reattaching, praying against mold and I was, I was humiliated because I thought this, what are people thinking? People in this community drive by and I said, that church doesn't know what they're doing. That looks trashy. Why would they have these three pieces of this building just sit there for that long? And we tried our best to get it up to where it needed to be and put together. And we tried our best to, to work with, uh, with other companies and the companies we were working with to get it moved there. It just running into roadblock after roadblock and, and, and everything. And, and we were trying to work with the city of, of Emerson with some things like, like you know, wanting to, to put a park there. And just roadblock after roadblock after roadblock. And I asked myself, why is this happening? What in the world is going on? I just don't understand. So I know how Joshua feels to a certain degree. And I tell you, it was really tough for me. I'm just going to be honest. It was tough for your pastor. Joshua didn't know what was going on, but God gave him the answer as we see in verses 10 through 13. We're still in chapter 7. Verse 10 through 13. Here, watch the Lord's response. The Lord said to Joshua, stand up, exclamation point, stand up. What are you doing down on your face? Israel has sinned. They have violated my covenant, which I commanded them to keep. They have taken some of the devoted things. They have stolen. They have lied. They have put them with their own possessions. That is why the Israelites cannot stand against your enemies. They turn their backs and run because they have been made liable to destruction. I will not be with you anymore unless you destroy whatever among you is devoted to destruction. Go, consecrate the people. Tell them, consecrate yourselves in preparation for tomorrow. For this is what the Lord God of Israel says. There are devoted things among you, Israel. You cannot stand against your enemies until you remove them. The devoted things. What was the problem? It was sin. That's what the problem was with, with, with Israel. That's why they, they had 36 men killed by this small town. They sent, sent 3,000 men and then sent them running. Someone had sinned that needed to be dealt with. When you keep hitting a brick wall with something in your life, check to make sure sin has been confessed. Check to make sure sin has been confessed and then walk in humility. 
we see this not only in the people's lives, but also in the life of churches. When sin is present, God will not bless it. When sin, when I, now when I'm talking about sin, I'm talking about, I'm talking about deliberate sin. Now there are some things that you and I will, will kind of pick up on this life and say, oh yeah, I, Lord, please forgive me of that. I confess that to you. But I'm talking about deliberate sin. Like you know it's wrong and you know it's there and you allow it to linger. You allow it to linger. And so when, when deliberate sin is around, God's not gonna bless it. When sin is present, God will not bless it. There's a call to action by the Lord as we see in verses 16 through 19. So jump to 16 through 19. It says this, Here, here's what the Lord uh, wanted them to do. So early the next morning, Joshua had Israel come forward by tribes and Judah was chosen. So just to let you know, there are 12 tribes of Judah. The reason why there's 12 tribes is because Abraham, Father Abraham, many sons, many sons, said Father Abraham. You know, I'm not going to do the motions, but we get the idea. So Abraham had 12 sons, and those sons were the leaders of the 12 tribes. So Judah, being one of the sons, was chosen. The tribe of Judah was chosen. The clans of Judah came forward, and the Zerahites were chosen from that, from that tribe. He had the clan of the Zerahites come forward uh, by families. And Zimri was chosen. Joshua had his family come forward man by man. And Achan, son of Carmi, the son of Zimri, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, was chosen. Then Joshua said to Achan, My son, give glory to the Lord, the God of Israel, and honor him. Tell me what you have done. Do not hide it from me. So by casting lots, or maybe drawing straws, we don't know, the Lord narrows the sin down to one person. It was time for the sin to be exposed and dealt with. Achan had no other choice but to confess. Now, Achan could have confessed earlier, because Earlier, the day before, remember, the Lord told Joshua, get everybody together, and this is what's going to happen. There's, someone has taken the devoted things out of Jericho. Remember, it's supposed to be all mine, but you've stolen from the Lord, literally stolen from the Lord. So someone has done it. He had an opportunity to come to Joshua and confess that sin. And he didn't. The Lord was gracious to give him that time. But he didn't. He had that opportunity. But his sin was exposed. Here's what I learned from this. Catch a statement. Your confession of sin is much better than your exposure of your sin. Your confession of your sin is so much better for you than the exposure of your sin. Admitting something you've done wrong is much better than getting caught, right? I think we can all agree with that. For those with children, you probably taught your children that lesson a time or two. We have a few times in our family. But it's a lesson that we always have to continue to learn no matter how old we are. Confession of sin is much better 
than the exposure of your sin. So what did that exposure look like for Achan? How did that all play out? Get ready for verse 20 through 26. Achan replied, it is true. I've sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel. This is what I've done. When I saw in the plunder a beautiful robe from Babylonia, 200 shekels of silver and a bar of gold weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them and took them. They are hidden in the ground inside my tent with the silver underneath. So Joshua sent messengers and they ran to the tent and there it was, hidden in his tent with the silver underneath. They took the things from the tent, brought them to Joshua and all the Israelites and spread them out before the Lord. Then Joshua, together with all of Israel, took Achan, son of Zerah, the silver, the robe, the gold bars, his sons, his daughters, his cattle, donkeys, and sheep, his tent, and all that he had to the valley of Achor. Joshua said, why have you brought this trouble on us? The Lord will bring trouble on you today. Then all Israel stoned him. And after they had stoned the rest, they burned them. Over Achan, they heaped up a large pile of rocks, which remains to this day. Then the Lord turned from his fierce anger. Therefore, that place has been called the Valley of Achor ever since. Achor means trouble. The valley of trouble. Ooh, there's trouble indeed. Now, he and I may not be dragged away outside the city of Emerson or Cartersville, wherever you live, and by the townspeople and stoned to death and, and burnt. That, that probably won't happen because of, of, of sin in our lives. But we see in this passage that the Lord will prevent you from moving forward and enjoying all the good benefits he has for you in the new land. He will prevent it. If there's sin, deliberate sin, deliberate sin in your life, in your family's life, God will cause or will prevent you from moving forward and enjoying all the benefits he has for you in this sort of new land that he's leading you towards, whatever that looks like. After the sin was removed, God gave victory to Joshua. How do we know? Look at verse one through two in chapter eight, the next verses. Then the Lord said to Joshua, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged. Take the whole army with you, that's a good idea, <laughs> and go up and attack Ai, for I have delivered into your hands the king of Ai, his people, his city, and his land. You shall do to Ai and his kings as you did to Jericho and its king, except that you may carry off their plunder and livestock for yourselves. Set an ambush behind the city. And then he goes on to explain. God gives Joshua sort of the battle plan. You can read it. It's, it's really amazing. There in chapter 8. But God said, you know, this time, let's, let's send everybody united. Let's take care of this sin. The sinful people. These, these, these people who, who are an abomination to the Lord. How they live and their lifestyle. We're going to get rid of this. Old Testament God, right? How he handles things. And 
Guess what? You could take the plunder. If Achan would have just waited. If he would have just waited. He could have had plunder. He could have had his own bars of silver or gold or whatever. In, in the town of Ai, he could have been given those things. But instead, he took the first fruits of the first battle and stole from the Lord. You know, God, the reason why God wants a first increase is just to show, hey, where's your heart? Where's your heart? I, I don't want your money. I want your heart. But your money is tied to your heart. That alone will preach. And I want your money. I want your heart. But since your money is tied, since your money is tied to your heart, because where your treasure is, your heart is there also. But since your money is tied to your heart, let's just let's let's take care of this. Let's let's see where your worship lies. First increase, first first portion. After that, you have the rest. He's even teaching that today. He shows us that today. You want to test God? Show him that. Test God. He says that in Malachi. Test me. Go ahead. Make my day. <laughs> right? And if Achan, if Achan just would have waited, he would have had that. So as we sort of wind down to a close on this, what are some key points we could take away from this story? And some of these I've kind of mentioned here and there, but here, here are sort of four things that we could take away from this story. Number one, temptations are strongest after victories. Temptations are strongest after victories. After you celebrate a milestone of reaching a certain goal at work or a sports team or your personal life or whatever, be, better watch out for temptations because that's when it happens the strongest. Those temptations are very strong. That's what happened to Achan. Man, we just had this great victory. Hmm. Man, I'm, I got lost in the moment. I decided to take it. So be careful during those times. Another thing we learned, sin affects those you love the most. Your deliberate sin affects those you love the most. Achan, his wife, his family, his, his children, everything he had, gone, wiped out. There's no more offspring of Achan. There's no offspring of Achan on this planet. And there never will be. He got wiped out. So your deliberate sin, my deliberate sin, is going to have effects on the people you love the most. It will. I see it. I've seen it time and time again. In, in my years of ministry, you see, where the parents you deliver it sin and they just allow it and allow it to exist and it has effects on their children from generation to generation. Especially the fathers. Now, if you're a parent and you've done some things in the past, there's grace. There's redemption. There's second chances. Just like in week two. 
God gives you those second chances. You mess up first time as a father, you can go back. There are fathers even sitting in this room who are, who are building, rebuilding those relationships with their children that they sort of mess up the first time. And you know, it's beautiful. What was once broken can be made beautiful. What was once broken can be made beautiful. So sin will affect those you love. So temptations are strongest after victories. Sin will affect those you love the most. Sin, here's the next thing, sin will stop you. You can't move forward when deliberate sin is allowed to linger. There will be brick walls in your marriage, your finances, your health, your relationships, your career, etc. when you harbor deliberate sin. So check your heart and do a soul search for any unconfessed sin in your life. Then you will be moving forward. During the times that we had that ministry center in three pieces, I had to get on my knees. I did. I said, God, do I have any unconfessed sin in my life? Lord, search my heart. I need, to, I need to make sure that I, 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 am, I am sold out just in love with you and following after you. What, what is wrong? Why can't we move forward as a church? Why all of these blockades with this building and with the city of Emerson and all of this stuff? Why? And so for several months, he brought our church through, through something. And during that time, I had to just sit in humility, Suzanne as well, just praying night after night, Lord, show us, rescue us. It's amazing, in January, January, February, everything started moving. We got contact with a, with a general contractor who's a sold out believer, some of y'all have met him, and um, he made a commitment to make sure we got this thing done. I told him that our budget for this ministry center was $112,000 to get this thing totally like it needs, needed to be. He gave me a quote of $140,000. And I said, you know, we're just going to have to wait and see what the Lord does. He says, yes. And God did some amazing things. He did during that time. And just this week, I met with, the, I met with our general contractor. We're, we're working on other things together. Can't wait. to. We're going to be sharing some of that stuff over the next uh, couple of months. But as we're sitting there this week in a meeting, I, I, I looked at him and I said, Mark, um, what else do we owe you? Because I know it, it costs, your budget was $140,000. That, that was what it cost for that. And he said, well, your budget was $112,000. I was like, yes. So somewhere there's, there's some numbers that we need to find and we need to raise or something. He says, you know what, Pastor? Let's keep it at one twelve. 
You don't need to worry about the rest. That's favor. And if you haven't seen the ministry center, you need to go see it. It's, it's a representation of what God has been doing. And, and not only that, but the city of Emerson, when I had a meeting with them in early February, it's like they wanted to meet with me. And they said, hey, Frank, this park idea, this Monroe Park, we like it. And I'm like, well, good. I've been sharing it for three years. You know, Frank, we have all this money that we've got to put towards a park and everything. So let's, let's build the main entrance. That's going to be the same entrance as, as, as your property in Monroe Park. So let's build. We're going to, we're going to build this main entrance, and we want to build these, these walking trails. It's like, that's a great idea. And we want to put these facilities in. And guess what? We want to ask Georgia Department of Transportation to bring a road off of Red Top down into this property so people can access Monroe Park and Lake Point Church from Red Top. And we have got, and guess what? Our architect... And our general contractor and our civil engineer, you have to have all three of those to do something. I'm learning lots of things, right? All three of those people that work for Lake Point Church, guess what? (laughs) The city of Emerson hired all three of them to do the project of the park, the road, the entrance, all of that stuff. It's amazing. It's like January and February, everything just started moving. It's like when things get clogged, and we got some plumbers in this room, when things get clogged, you know, right? And then it just, it's really stinky. It it backs up and it it doesn't smell good and it's not good. But man, when it gets on, man, everything flows. And that is what was happening. But God had to reveal some things to us as a church. It happens in churches and it happens in our individual lives as well. So when there is something blocking you from doing something, it could be that there could be some deliberate sin lurking in your life or the life of your family. God, God will allow things to keep moving. So, Temptations are strongest after victories. Sin will affect those you love. Sin will stop you. It will. Deliberate sin will stop any progress you're making. And then finally, give God what belongs to him first. Give God what belongs to him first. The devoted things from the first battle were to be given to the Lord first. We saw the second battle. Hey, you can have it all. Just be patient. The Lord will honor and bless your obedience. He will. The Lord will honor and bless your obedience to give him the first increase of that. He he most definitely will. So here's my question as we close. Do you have any devoted things you're holding on to? Do you have any devoted things that are holding on to? Now, 
You may say, well, I don't have any silver bars or gold bars. If you do, tie that to the church. Just kidding, sort of. I'm not necessarily talking about exactly what, what Achan wanted or took. I'm talking about what are some devoted things that are taking the place of your relationship to God? Social media? Could that be a devoted thing? Oh, yes, that could. Could entertainment? Could that be a devoted thing? Could be working and working and working and working. Could that be a devoted thing? Hey, I'm preaching to myself, y'all, too. I'm sitting there right beside you. You know what those devoted things are. I know what the devoted things are. And for far too long, maybe it's time you took the devoted things, that we took our devoted things, and we set them aside. We gave them to the Lord. Said, all right, here it is. Here it is. We're going to trust you. We're going to trust you. And so, I just want you to search your heart and see if there's any devoted things. Every head bowed, every eye closed as we, as we close out this, this service.